This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning into UBS Global Research Pod Hub, a channel that shares insights from economists, strategists, and equity analysts on the pivotal questions and events shaping today's markets. My name is Keith Parker, and I head up equity strategy research at UBS. And in this episode, we're going to be taking a high-level look at the rise of the retail investor and the impact they may be having on equities. I'm pleased to be joined by Brennan Hawkins, senior analyst who leads coverage of brokers and asset managers. Brennan, let's jump right into it. We've seen an absolute surge in retail activity of late. You've done quite a bit of work on what's driven it. So what what are your thoughts here? Thanks, Keith. There's been a, a definite increase here during the pandemic. Um, when you look at some of the metrics, retail volume as a percentage of total trading activity has gone from, you know, 10% of activity pre-pandemic um, and increased by 50 to 100% of that. So up to 15 to 20% from the prior 10. There are several different factors that have driven it. Uh, there's a lot of attention given to the fact that you've got the uh, lockdown orders in place that happened at different time periods, stimulus checks arriving for consumers, and certainly that's part of it. But we think that there's more going on and it's important to consider the setup coming in. There was a the large round of price cuts by the discount brokers, which is where most people actually trade, or most retail people uh, trade uh, directly. And, um, and that drove a lot of increased activity even before we saw the pandemic start. And, and there's, there's a precedent to this. Um, in, there's been many, many commission cuts by the discount brokers, many rounds of them. The one right before the last one, happened in the first quarter of 2017. And that round of price cuts led to a 15% acceleration in trading volume and a 16% acceleration in net new assets. Now, what net new assets are, it's basically money that the customers add to their accounts or money that they use to fund new accounts on these discount broker platforms. So basically, the discount brokers saw an acceleration in both activity and in account growth um, on the back of the first quarter 2017 price cut. Now, in the fourth quarter of 2019, right before the pandemic, there was another round of commission cuts. And this one was even more dramatic because we ended at zero uh, for many, many trades. Equity online trades went to a zero commission, ETF trades, all ETF trades went to a zero commission. And that, was already, even before the pandemic started, driving up even more serious increase in activity levels. When we compare the first quarter of 20, which definitely had some impact from the pandemic, March uh, was when many of these uh, the shut-ins began, but largely was pre-pandemic, uh, we saw a in excess of 100% increase in trading activity. Darts were up 115%, and uh, net new assets in the first quarter were up over 50% versus the prior quarter's uh, pace leading into the the final round of cuts. 
if we expand that to include the, the, the whole first half, so 1Q20 and 2Q20, trading activity up 134%, and net new assets were nearly triple, up 300% uh, from the pace we began. So we're talking about a really substantial acceleration. Now, of course, the second quarter was impacted by the pandemic. So you're beginning to mix the impacts there for sure. But the, the bottom line here is that the, this trading activity was definitely impacted to some degree by the pandemic and the shut-ins and the stimulus checks. But there was already an acceleration even before that started. And therefore, some of the growth that we've seen in retail activity is structural, in my opinion, and won't go away once the pandemic eases. So, Keith, I know you've done some work on the demographics. What does that tell you about the path for retail investors? Thanks, Brennan. And I, I do share your view on, on the structural. We have some questions about cyclical participation of retail, but when we took a deep dive into demographics, where if you think about the equity owning cohort, it's really about those 35 to 55, where you have a huge marginal increase in the desire to own stocks and the percentage that do own stocks. That cohort had been declining for over a decade prior to 2020. And it really was first in 2020 where we saw more of those aging millennials age into the, the cohort where they would want to own stocks and have the income and savings to do so. What's interesting in the setup in the decade ahead is that the growth rate in that cohort is only set to accelerate. And so if you put that together, uh, points to a growing importance of the retail investor on a structural basis here, here in the U.S. And the last point I'd, I'd make is the younger cohort, those less than 35, are also pretty equity savvy and educated where uh, in 2019, we saw them uh, owning many, uh, a greater share, a much greater share of equities than we saw in the, in the prior decade. So that also, I think, making its way through points to a retail investor that's probably here, here to stay uh, and in our view, likely to grow over time. So Brennan, want to to turn it back to you one of the things that i worry about is can can this end and with the surge in in retail activity we've heard murmurs about the regulatory response to that can you shed some light onto those risks sure Keith. uh thanks that's a that's become a very very significant topic here recently this is especially drawn into focus on the back of the large increase in, in volatility in the first quarter. This was centered around several names uh, that were heavily shorted um, and uh, covered in great detail by the, um, by the financial media. And so um, as a result of that volatility and some of the limitations that certain uh, discount brokers uh, applied to trading in some of that stuff, those stocks due to capital concerns, there's definitely increased regulatory scrutiny about a few practices. Well, one is payment for order flow. This is not the first time payment for order flow has come into questions. Mike. What payment for order flow basically is, is market makers share the profitability of the trading with the firms that provide the order flow to them. It's, it, there's a spread in market making and therefore market makers make a spread. 
So it's effectively like an indirect way to receive money from from the trading. Especially, this is especially important now that that most of the discount brokers are not charging an explicit commission. So that seems likely to be uh, reviewed even more thoroughly now. Uh, there was a House Financial Services Committee hearing where there was discussion of where the legislators were clearly trying to understand this uh, business practice. Um, securities lending is another thing that might. Uh, come into focus. Many of the stocks uh, that were more volatile in the first quarter were heavily shorted. That means they were some, a, a hedge fund can borrow the stock and then sell it before they own it, hoping that the price goes down. When they borrow that stock, they, they have to pay the entity that is lending them the stock. Uh, and that can be pretty profitable for uh, a pretty profitable practice for uh, many financial services firms, such as the discount brokers. And there's also an expectation, there's a regulation called best execution, short called best X, which requires a broker to execute at the best possible price for their customers. And there are, it's a complex rule and there are many um, nuances to it. And that may be reviewed and modernized based upon how much of a acceleration we have seen in computing power and speed of trading capabilities, there might need to be some tightening of those rules to limit an opportunity for arbitrage uh, that many of the uh, the high-speed firms uh, are able to capitalize you know, in this current environment. So there's a lot of focus there. The congressional hearing and with, at the House was not really clear probably more of a fact-finding mission. Um, and it's my view that that will be a much more indicative um, uh, uh, source of where the regulators are gonna be focused. You know, what um, Mr. Gensler, how Mr. Gensler responds to the various questions from, from the Senate and um, what he lays out as his priorities for his time in commissioner, as commissioner. And that's, I think, what I, where we all should pay attention to, um, you know, is an upcoming indication of regulatory focus. So it's a little unclear exactly what kind of regulatory response we're going to see, but it is uh, likely that, that there might be some restrictions, which could definitely uh, cause some changes in some of this activity going forward. But it's, it's impossible to know uh, that magnitude until we see the actual details. So Keith, I get asked a lot of questions on how retail can affect stock returns. And I know that you've really dug in and done a lot of work on that front. So why don't I turn it back to you uh, to cover that piece? Great, thank you, Brennan. I think to, to your, your, your leading point of just how much retail activity has surged, the first part starts with how do we track it? Uh, we have internal data from UBS retail market making flow from some of the discount brokers, as well as internal wealth management from a data solutions group, where we can track real time those shifts in retail net buying and selling. And what we've seen is a significant jump, like you said, post-pandemic um, of sustained elevated retail net buying. Second is signal and indicator that we look at is option activity, where retail Option activity as measured by those with less uh, than 10 contracts traded has jumped 
uh, by more than 50% over the last two years. And so uh, we've seen that plus the combination that's much, much more geared towards call buying versus put volumes, that that's another indicator we're watching. And then the third is important to track retail sentiment and what they're saying. And so we have a, a net sentiment score for all stocks in the S&P 1500 that we have data for. And interesting that that has, has oscillated, but again, uh, net sentiment uh, on the retail side has remained positive uh, and, and pretty broad. So you put those three indicators, retail, net buying and selling from our flow data, options activity, as well as net sentiment, and we have what we've created a, a retail sentiment indicator and score. And what's interesting, Brennan, is if you look at that and you compare changes in retail sentiment to changes in stock prices, you see a very clear positive relationship. When retail is getting more positive on a stock, tends to lead to coincident outperformance. On the other side, when retail is getting more negative, we've seen uh, pullbacks and underperformance in those stocks. So retail important for returns at a stock level and also at a market level. What's interesting is we found when retail sentiment is, is strong and, and positive, typically leads to further market momentum. Equity returns have been pretty strong in the three to six months following. And so again, important stock indicator as well as a market indicator. And then Another point I want to drill home is just how important retail preferences are, particularly because retail buying and selling is so concentrated in our work in uh, a small proportion of stocks within a broader index. And so they can have outsized impacts uh, at a more granular level. And what we've seen in terms of preferences is much higher risk tolerance, where they do have a propensity to buy higher beta stocks than, say, traditional institutional investor, less focus on, on quality, free cash flow, et cetera, and very much in line with our thoughts following shifts in that, in that Twitter sentiment. And then the last point I, I end with is, does it have signal for stock returns and should we be caring at a more detailed level? And it goes back to the comment that I made that it's about that retail concentrated buying and selling. And what we've seen is when retail sentiment in certain stocks, the bottom five to three percentile, so a concentrated group, we've seen forward returns quite strong. So think of it when, when retail is exiting a stock in mass, it tends to be a pretty good indicator for value in a bottoming process and an outperformance in the three, six, and 12 months to come. Whereas on the positive side, average returns have also been pretty strong in those uh, months following strong retail net buying and activity and sentiment, but much, much more dispersed. So you do have much bigger outliers on the positive as well as the negative side. So something to, to concentrate on and everything else in the middle tend to be a much more muted impact overall. So just just to summarize, Brennan, I, I would qualify as retail investor likely to continue uh, as an important facet in the equity market. We're watching the regulatory response here to see what's to come. 
And from an investor perspective, there is signal in our retail sentiment indicator to watch for both from a stock level and a market level. So with that, I want to thank you for visiting the UBS Research Pod Hub. That was an introduction and overview of the rise of retail and the potential impacts with myself, Keith Parker, uh, and also Brennan Hawkins. Tune in again for more investment insights. Thank you. This content has been prepared by UBS AG, its subsidiaries, and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content. It has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regulatory, or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2021. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS, all rights reserved.